You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about Marvel movies. And today we're talking about, well, the newest Marvel movie. This is actually going to be our second Taika Waititi movie we've talked about. We're talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. Thor, Love and Thunder is the movie that we are talking about today. It is the latest entry in Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it is the second time that Taika Waititi has directed a Thor movie. This movie features the um, introduction of Christian Bale as the villain of the movie, Gore the God Butcher. It also features the return of Natalie Portman to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Jane Foster. Uh, and I say the return. She's, you know, she was in Endgame. I believe she may have been in something else. She hasn't been in most... She hasn't been in that many Marvel movies, but she has been in a few. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about this one. This is mostly spoiler-free. We do say when there's anything that could kind of be counted as a spoiler, but even then, we don't do too heavy spoilers anyway. So, you know, you will be warned, and honestly, it's probably be fine. If you haven't already seen this movie, I mean, I can't imagine that you're going to care too much about spoilers anyway. But uh, maybe I shouldn't make too many assumptions about you. Sorry about that. Okay. So before we get started here, normally I would put on like a little bit of music from the movie. That's kind of what I want to do here. But when we do these Marvel movies, a lot of the soundtracks of these are just Michael Giacchino. Uh, He's a great composer. But some of the soundtracks, you know, they they have like a specific marveliness to them. You've kind of heard it all before. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to play a little bit of a trailer for this movie, because as we're talking about it, I think that it's going to be important to have the context of how this movie was marketed. That is kind of important to how this movie is presented. So let's hear that. Here is a trailer for Thor, Love and Thunder. These hands were once used for battle. Now they're but humble tools for peace. I need to figure out exactly who I am. path. Live in the moment. My superheroing days are over. into the eyes of the people that you love. Not me. What? Just listening. You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where increasingly we talk basically only about Marvel movies. Not exclusively yet, but it will get to that point. I'd actually like 
So, Pierre, I don't want to do this. And that's why I'm going to tell you this right now on air so that we don't ever make plans. Perfect. With it. Yeah. But like earlier today, I was like, what are some cool series that we could do? Maybe like what are what are some cool movie series we could cover some like interesting angles? And I was like, we could do all the Marvel movies. And then I thought, wait a minute. There's probably 16 podcasts immediate like when you search Marvel that are just MCU. And that's probably like the first page. Like that's that seems like not a good idea, actually. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff. I do kind of want to. I think it is like it is always interesting to get people's general thoughts on the MCU because I think it's it's a big enough topic that everyone has thoughts on it, and I personally think that like even if two people's thoughts are similar like not even just for the MCU, but for a lot of things, they're rarely the same. So it's always an interesting discussion, I guess. Uh, but like that, you know, I'm not going to do 23. I, I don't think we should do 23 episodes on MCU movies. But yeah, I, I don't know if I could do that to myself. <laughs> it's, I, it's just And it's a also lot. just everyone's done it already too. Like exactly. That, there wouldn't be anything special about it. Yeah. But I think that like, We'll scratch a little bit of that itch today because I think that like, you know, you have thoughts on the MCU. I have thoughts on the MCU. We're not going to like mm. delve deep into the MCU in this one, but mm. I think some of those thoughts are going to come out when we talk about uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. Directed by, once again, Taika Waititi, who um, is, I think his last, well, his last movie was, um, well, what was it called? Jojo Rabbit, which we yes. talked about. Uh, in 2019 and Dang, uh, that's that a while ago that's pretty well known just for giving Taika an Oscar mm-hmm. um, for best screen adapted no I yeah, think adapted. adapted screenplay um, I'm guessing I think it was just very loosely adapted but still adapted um, yeah but yeah he uh, so he really shot up out of nowhere uh, after after getting Thor Ragnarok and um, he's become a much, I mean, we talked about him just recently in Lightyear. He's become a much bigger presence in Hollywood, especially for a director. Um, he's, um, I would put him and, like, I group him in the exact same position as Lin-Manuel Miranda. They yeah. are both very different. They both have a lot of vision and are interesting in their own right. But... Um, they're both Disney darlings. Like, anytime yeah. Disney puts out something there's a good chance those two are involved in some way, or at least one of them is involved in some way, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does lead to it feeling like they're like, you can't get away from them, which I know annoys some people. Yeah. um, Disney has, I think at this point, Disney has a good reputation of running things into the ground. Once they find something that they can sell. Um, Mm. Funny enough that you mentioned that, uh, technically, Moana was worked on by both Taika Waititi and Lin Manuel Miranda. Even well, what though, what did Taika do in that? Uh, Taika wrote like I think a script treatment that Disney okay. bought and then turned into Moana. So it's very loosely based on something he wrote for them. Um, oh, cool. Okay. But yeah. Anyways, uh, we're, yeah, I we just saw him like year, and I think we talked a bit about how we were a little tired of his humor. Um, mm. So perfect timing is that we <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I mean, sorry, Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, which uh, I guess is the first time he has written and directed a movie for um, for Marvel. 
Because uh, he did, he directed Ragnarok. He directed, but he, he didn't write it. it. No, he came oh, okay. in relatively late. So it's a little bit different this time. Um, and I was pretty excited because, you know, he just, again, just won an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be interesting to see. Because I could, I remember thinking in Ragnarok, um, Taika felt restrained because he had a certain tone and ideas that he wanted to bring in, but he was limited by having to set up things for Infinity War. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was really interested this time to see where he would take Thor with like, basically, I'm guessing they gave him full creative freedom for this. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think the Thor franchise in general has been such an odd duck among T because he's one of the, he's one of the three main Avengers, but he's also, I think, He's had the most, I think, trouble kind of finding a grounding mm-hmm. to him. Like he's always had, diff- he's had multiple different directors um, over the eight movies he's been in at this point. Um, and uh, you know, I think Ragnarok was a really big way of making him extremely popular. Um, he was popular before, but I think that that really made him shine. And then he for- continued to like blow people away uh, in Infinity War and Endgame, in my opinion. Hmm. Um. Yeah, and like Ragnarok was. Yeah, Ragnarok was really nice because like that's kind of where, that's kind of where Chris Hemsworth really established, in a way that like, Thor is Chris Hemsworth having fun because before that he was sort of like, I mean Kenneth Branagh did him as a Shakespearean hero basically or a Shakespe- hero of a Shakespearean tragedy. Um, the person who came afterwards kind of did the same thing, but that movie just kind of felt a little rushed. Like there's, there's a lot of problems with that movie. I don't necessarily think Thor is one of them, but Mm -hmm. like, there's just not that much going on or at least like not that much, not that much that works. And then Ragnarok is where like, that was kind of reinventing the character, but that's also, but also Ragnarok is kind of, every Thor we've seen since has been more based on Ragnarok than on any of the other Thor movies. Yeah, basically. Well, I think I, I really liked how infinity war found a really good balance between kind of the comedic side of Thor and the very intense and epic side. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think, you know, Ragnarok was good, but it, it did feel pretty small scale for such a large movie for a Thor movie, yeah. if that makes sense. One thing I will say I loved about the first two Thor movies was I felt like they really captured the scale of his power and epicness mm-hmm. in a way um, that Ragnarok kind of did, but also didn't really. Um, it just felt a lot cheaper. I don't know how to, even though it wasn't, um, I think yeah. the production design was a lot better on Thor one and two. So um yeah, anyways, uh, and then here we are. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I think for me, like, End- Endgame is very much my favorite Thor because I think, um, I don't necessarily think that the Russo brothers could direct a really good Thor movie, but they are very, very good at identifying what makes the characters work and doing those big ensemble movies and making the characters work in those big ensemble movies. Like, mm. for me, I think especially in Endgame, but even a little bit in Infinity War, Thor is very much, he's one of the hearts of that, of those movies. 
Like um, coming out of Endgame, I thought Thor had had a really strange arc in the MCU, but one that ultimately paid off really, really well at the end of Endgame. Um, so, I mean, for me, Endgame is my favorite Thor. So I was certainly excited to see, you know, at the end of Thor, uh, or at the end of Endgame, Thor blasts off with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's sort of uh, implied that whatever he's going to do next, be that on-screen or off-screen, is going to be as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a really interesting dynamic to put him in. And uh, I was very excited to see where things go after that. And where things went after that was Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you want to talk about what the movie's about? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Thor, Love and Thunder is, uh, it, it's, it's kind of about Thor finding himself, which, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to start editorializing all, all, um, all at once here. Uh, is weird because that's what Thor was doing in Ragnarok was Thor was finding himself and figuring out who he wants to be. And this is that movie again (laughs) and and, and an end game. And then here it's the same basic arc. It's done differently for sure, but that's the idea here is Thor basically finding out who he wants to be. And so the way that that goes is this movie starts with Thor and the guardians of the galaxy and basically being called back to Asgard to investigate, um, the, some, something called Gore, the God butcher. He's going around, he's killing gods. Asgard is in trouble. So Thor has to go back to Asgard, uh, which is in Delaware now, I think. Um, and he's got to save Asgard from Gore the God Butcher. Uh, but oh, sorry, Asgard's in, uh, I think it's in, oh, where is that? It's in Europe somewhere. I remember Doctor it, Strange said it. Um, is it? Sorry, yeah, it's it's in, because I remember it's where Odin dies in Thor Ragnarok. I can't remember where Doctor Strange sent him, but it was there. Anyways, okay. Sorry. It's not a big deal. Okay, maybe it's not in Delaware. Maybe it's in Denmark <laughs> then, or yeah, wherever it was. Yeah, it sounds like that. Something like that. Um, anyway, when he gets back there, he discovers that Jane Foster, who's been absent since, I think, Thor 1, but I guess maybe Thor 2, uh, she has since be- uh, become worthy of Mjolnir and become the mighty Thor instead of just... Uh, and so she has Thor's powers. And mm-hmm. so... Um, the movie from there is Thor teaming up with Valkyrie and Jane Foster to go and figure out, go, go and kill Gore the God Butcher, I guess. Um, at the, at the, when they, when they meet up, Gore the God Butcher kidnaps all of the Asgardian children and sends them to the Shadow Realm, which I thought was really funny because it's literally called the Shadow Realm. And then... Uh, it's about the three of them having to go and chase him down. But in order to do that, they need help from the other gods. So they go and find other gods first. And it's basically, it's basically that. Like, there are a lot of, like, individual different set pieces in this movie, I guess. But functionally, they are going from point A to point B to point C. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, 
that's what um, Thor The Dark World kind of felt like. It was a mm. sort of adventure movie, but it actually had very few destinations in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. Uh, what What are your initial thoughts on Thor? Love and Thunder. Um, did you say Thor or Gore? Thor, sorry, Thor, Love and Thunder. I thought it was really, really disappointing. Um, mm. It was the, the most of the jokes got old really fast. Um, I thought that the locale there was one locale that I thought was interesting. And every and every other place they went to might have had potential, but I thought it was used really poorly. I thought the characters were not fun. And um, honestly, I thought Thor kind of regressed as a character in this movie. Like, he had such a good ending to his character arc in Endgame. And this is just his character arc from Ragnarok again. And from Endgame again. And so it's like, well, we already did that. Why is... I don't know. The, he sort of ends up at a different place than he ended up before. But it's just... It's kind of just the same thing as he's already done. And so I just thought, like, in general... In general, I was just really disappointed. Yeah, it it felt really weird to... Like, I, we talked about it earlier, but another plot where Thor has to find out who he is and... With how he belongs in the universe, um, mm-hmm. which felt overplayed because again we've yeah we've had that so many times, um, but yeah I I think the biggest problem was probably that you could feel this was edited to hell. Um, there were so many parts of this movie that like just felt disjointed, and you could tell like even like in smaller scenes like fight scenes. I would be confused as to why a character would be shown in one place and then the next cut is them in a completely different place doing something else. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, it was just very disjointed. So like that was the first problem. And I think the second was the, the humor. None of it really hit um, like at all. Uh, I laughed maybe twice in the movie, despite the entire movie being full of jokes. Um, which I was remember pretty bad. There's, there's, Thor gets two goats in this movie and they scream a lot. And like, that's funny the first time, but it happens many times. Uh, I was talking (laughs) to a friend of mine and he said the entire theater laughed the first time, few, few, uh, a couple fewer people laughed the second time, the third time silence. And it happens more than three times. Yeah, it was it was a lot. Even that first joke, like I felt like if they gave it a little more time, it might have panned out better. But it just felt really like here's the goat, and then they start screaming, mm-hmm. and and then you just kind of go along with it. Um, yeah, I as also um, like Christian Bale had like no screen time. Like, Christian Bale's it, such a good actor. He could be such a good Gore the God Butcher. And in fact, when he was on screen, I think he was fine. But I don't know anything about that character. He felt like Caecilius to me. A guy yeah. who's like played by a good actor, probably has an interesting, like has a great concept behind him, mm-hmm. but that I ultimately don't care about and he's just thrown in the trash heap of Marvel villains. Yeah, I was really sad. I, I was really excited for Christian Bale um, Especially the movie starts off with like a five minute sequence, um, which felt like it was like Gore's origin story, I guess. 
but that okay. also felt like edited to hell like there were so many jumps in time and like kind of convenient like I guess I don't want to say this is I feel like this isn't a spoiler because it's in like the first five minutes of the movie but like he gets his like powers and his sword because he walks up to he finds a god and then it turns out the god's evil and then conveniently lying there is this guy that used to be the old god butcher um standing right behind him and they were just like whoa we just killed this god butcher guy and then all they also <laughs> it was just like very too convenient for like gore i, I don't know it just felt really contrived and like mm-hmm. stupid honestly and uh even though there was like i thought it was interesting that whole you know gore is someone that seemed extremely religious and when he met his god he realized how cruel they were i guess and how little they cared well and i mean like that's not that's that's a story beat that like people have done before right but I mean, not in a Marvel movie. That's interesting enough. If they would have expanded on that, then, you know, even the beginning being a little contrived would have been fine because we just needed more of gore to, like, Mm -hmm. make sense of who this guy is, right? I think it's really cool that he's extremely religious and that's where he starts from. And, like, that's also kind of the reason that he ends up wanting to kill all gods. It's like, all right, let's explore that but we do not. No, we kind of get some weird exposition scenes and he doesn't really do anything else. We see no, I, this has been talked about a lot online, but we don't actually see him kill any gods except for the first one. Um, Ooh, yeah. It's implied crap. he kills like tons of them um, in the first act of the movie, but we don't actually see any of that at all. And that mm-hmm. really diminishes like any, any what like what feels like any threat if that makes sense um yeah because we all kind of see it from thor's perspective so that was like pretty unfortunate i think Mm -hmm. yeah also the guardians i was the guardians were barely in this movie too and i was really because i was actually really excited for that direction like i i was i wanted to see thor in that dynamic um, I thought they would have like hung around till like the the first act was over, I guess, and then mm-hmm. Thor would have moved on. But they they were like they were in a montage scene for the first like maybe t- five minutes of the movie, and then they're gone. I think they maybe get like total like all of them together maybe get like ten fifteen lines of dialogue total. I I really wish that Guardians of the Galaxy three had come out first and featured Thor as a character because I want to see Thor hang out with the Guardians because that's something we haven't seen Thor do, and like there's nothing in this movie that I hadn't seen Thor do. Yeah, I mean like and also like it it felt like an easy like like home run considering like how how much chemistry I think he had with the entire team, mm-hmm. like. Especially after losing Gamora too, like the whole team feels like a joke. But I feel like Thor would really balance that out. Um, but yeah, they don't really do much in this movie at all. Yeah, and like that's an interesting, and and also like Thor, the way that Thor is played after Ragnarok, he fits perfectly with the Guardians. He's got a sense of humor that's more in line with them. It's not a hundred percent James Gunn, but like. 
you know, it sort of leans toward that. And then also like, but he's also got those elements that he's got that heart too, where like he can do both the really funny guardians of the galaxy stuff and the more, more serious stuff. He, he fits in that dynamic really well. And it's just such a shame to see him go back to, you know, his old supporting cast, which is fine, but like, he has no chemistry with Jane Foster in this movie. Very little. Okay, yeah. I'm not going to say no chemistry, but not that much. No, it was pretty... Yeah, I, I would have thought bringing Natalie Portman back, they would have had a really good reason. Um, but yeah, it was kind of back to the same old stuff. Like, no one ever really loved their chemistry in the other movies, and it was kind of the same here. Uh, mm-hmm. Her being the Mighty Thor didn't really change anything, so I don't really know what they were thinking. Um, and then even, like, other characters... Like, I used to love his chemistry with Tessa Thompson in this movie, it felt like Tessa did not want to be there slash like just like she had no charisma at all. I, I feel like mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, and then if you look at core, <laughs> core was probably the worst. I loved core and rag Korg and Ragnarok um, and his brief scene in Endgame. I did not like him in this movie at all. Every single line he, he had, I just, like, yeah, I didn't think I he made me laugh once. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly think this shouldn't have been a Thor movie. Like, Thor is in it, sure. And it could have still been called Thor Love and Thunder. But I think the more interesting pieces of this movie were Gore the God Butcher and the idea of the Mighty Thor. I don't think Natalie Portman, like, nailed it in her role as Jane Foster or the Mighty Thor. But I think that, like, if this movie had been centered around her and her struggle, it would have been a lot more interesting. I don't know if it would have actually worked, because, again, I don't know that she necessarily nailed it. But, like, that's a way more interesting story to me than the same Thor story I've seen five times. Yeah. Uh, And it's weird, like, I don't know. It's just weird that I feel like they brought so much back of like people were complaining a lot about Thor one and two, and then they changed a lot on Thor three, but it feels like they Taika wanted to take it back and kind of do the same thing in Thor four where like, I, I don't really like Thor when he's like as, as weird as it is because, you know, he's supposed to be the Asgardian King, even though he's not anymore. I love the parts of Ragnarok where Thor was just kind of exploring the cosmos like him mm-hmm. on Sakaar was like by far the most interesting part of the movie, you yeah. know, just seeing him in this really weird environment and trying to figure it out. Um, but like every time, like in that movie where he would be brought back to Asgard or earth, it really dragged the movie down. So mm-hmm. I was really excited for this movie where he would finally like kind of like they would take that Sakaar portion and make it the whole movie where he's just Thor having fun throughout the universe um, and ideally stopping the gore, the God butcher. Uh, I mean, Thor works best as a fish out of water. And when you put him into the point, into the place where he's supposed to be, he's not interesting to watch. First off, Asgard for as nice as it looks in different movies is not an interesting place. Uh, And then like Thor knows everyone in Asgard. Everyone looks up to Thor in Asgard. He's the king of Asgard. Not act- In this movie, technically he's not, but like effectively he is. And like that's just not an interesting place for him to be. 
it's more interesting when he's anywhere where he doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah, I, I, it helps because I, I he works better when he looks like an idiot too. I don't know. Yeah, it makes it more interesting. But in this I'm movie, I'm just thinking too, like, oh, I was just gonna say right at the beginning of this, he's he does like a mission with the Guardians of the Galaxy on a planet where he just completely botches the mission but he's so confident that he's just saved everybody and like that's one of the best scenes in the movie because he's he he kind of looks like an idiot but like it's him being like oh i know what i'm doing when he clearly doesn't and yeah. that's how the character works best i don't know that the whole movie needed to be that specifically but like even in ragnarok where he's not sure what's going on and well like you said kind of looks like an idiot those are the best parts of the movie I yeah. remember any time well, we'd go back to Valhalla, or not Valhalla, Asgard, it's like, okay. I think it like really makes him unique as a hero too because he's like he's a hero, you know, where it's like it's really tough to kill him. He doesn't have to worry about dying. So it like made sense in Ragnarok where he's like so cocky and confident, even though like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Um, like that scene where they go into the the wormhole or whatever, he's just like like everyone's like, Why would you want to go there? And he's just like He's, like, totally fine with it because, like, very little threatens Thor. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I, I kind of like that aspect of him. But, yeah, it, it was not, it wasn't really here. Um, yeah. It was disappointing. And uh, it wasn't so much of an adventure movie as it was kind of, like, it felt a lot more like, again, I said earlier, Thor the Dark World, where it feels like they implied a great adventure, but then they kind of just go to two places. Um and they're traveling at the speed of light, so the traveling is not even that bad. Um, so yeah, somewhere I can't find the exact quote, but in one um, in one interview, Natalie Portman said that like a bunch of locations were cut, like were filmed and then cut, which mm-hmm. sucks because this is an adventure movie, like you said. Well, if I can sort of interpret your words here, yeah. without the adventure, there's no adventure in this adventure movie. Yeah, they just. I think, but basically, Thor goes to save the kids. They travel to the the meeting of the gods. That whole scene was I hated that scene. Uh, Russell Crowe plays uh, Zeus in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and he's like basically this huge cocky jokester. I thought that was really disappointing, honestly. Um, I didn't this- hate the concept. I hated the execution. Like, Russell Crowe's fake Greek accent is so bad. It was funny for (laughs) one sentence, and then I was like, oh, dude, please, all the rest of the gods, all the rest of the gods have posh British accents. Just do that, or be Australian, or something. You don't have to be Greek, because you're clearly bad at it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, really... And he wasn't, like, this is... I think he was supposed to be the most powerful, like, god you know and it's just like he didn't seem that powerful at all you know because i'm guessing he was I, he was supposed to be someone at like the level of odin's power or something yeah um, but he definitely did not come off as that and i didn't see how he was acting as a god i don't know it, it wasn't so good. this this might be a this might be a bit of a spoiler um in the earlier thor movies while i I mean, for sure, Thor would never have fought Odin. But I never got the impression that if such a fight were to occur, Thor could, like, wipe the floor with Odin. 
I don't necessarily know who would win in a fight like that because it would never happen. But at no point was I like, you know what? Thor could probably kill this da- kill this guy. Uh, Thor gets like three minutes with Zeus and like immediately kills him. Not, well, kills not him actually. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a god. He can't be like killed that fast. But like he immediately defeats him. And it's like, yeah. okay. In the middle so of like the pantheon of gods. And he yeah. gets away with it. It like, yeah, it's like, so he's clearly not on Odin's power level, or if he is, my god, these gods suck, kind of. Yeah, like, yeah, that that whole scene, and that was like a pretty, a relatively hefty portion of the movie. It, it takes up like, I'd, I'd say like half of the second act, um, and it doesn't really accomplish that much, except for Korg almost dies. <laughs> I was really well, hope I was really hoping he died in that scene, but he did it's not. It's like, die. yeah, there's a scene where he where Korg doesn't die. It's a huge fake out. And like recently, I don't remember. I don't know exactly what movie it's been or what it was that I like saw that made me think this way. But I kind of am starting to really get tired of fake deaths in movies, like where someone's implied to die and then doesn't. It's like. A death in a movie is a big thing. Like, if that happens, that's a huge moment. A fake death in a movie is quick shock value and then nothing. Which, yeah, it makes it worse. It, it kind of makes it worse. Just... It can be pulled off and not be, like, offensively bad. But usually it's just, it, it's never a good thing. Yeah, especially when it's, like, like, the character doesn't really have much use in the future. Like, Korg, no, I'm not... I didn't really need much more from Korg. <laughs> like, I didn't yeah. see... He doesn't have, like... There wasn't, like, a character arc for him, or there wasn't, like, anything I was expecting out of Korg in the future. So, that well, was really weird. Yeah, like, the scene where Korg is implied to... Or, like, looks like he dies is... It's used as a big emotional moment for Thor for like a couple of seconds because Thor overreacts to it right away. And then Korg's like, oh, I'm not dead actually. And so it's like, okay, well that entire emotional payoff not doesn't mean anything. Gone, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well now Thor's an asshole, not because <laughs> nothing actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, that wasn't good. Um, and uh, I don't know the uh, the Natalie Portman uh, Jane Foster having cancer thing just didn't really I never really felt the emotion behind that I, it, it felt yeah. like a, a plot line that just didn't have enough time to really sink in yeah so. I, that's why I say like I think this movie should have been about Jane Foster because mm. I personally think that's a much more interesting plot line like we haven't seen that particular plot line in Mar- in the MCU yet. There are no movies in the MCU about fighting cancer. Is th- is that a good thing? Like, I don't know. Maybe there shouldn't be movies in the MCU about fighting cancer, but there aren't any yet. And like, if that would have been what this movie was about, I think it would have been way more interesting. Especially because like, this movie starts with a framing device of Korg telling um, telling a story about Thor to kids. And then, like, at different times, he goes, he, like, starts telling the story about Jane Foster or the Mighty Thor instead. And honestly, I think the coolest thing this movie could have done would be if at the very beginning he's like, let me tell you the story of the Mighty Thor. And then 
starts telling the story of Jane Foster before it's like revealed, oh shit, we're not talking about Chris Thor. Hemsworth Thor. We're yeah. talking about Jane Foster here. I think that would have been really cool. Yeah, I, I think that, honestly, I just think this movie should have been about anyone other than Thor. Yeah, well, it's just it was just obvious Thor didn't really have like an arc. I mean, no care. Yeah. Jane kind of had an arc, but even so, like again, so much of it was skipped over, and a that... lot of it relies on a pre-existing like long-term relationship between her and Thor mm-hmm. that. In the MCU, this is the first time we're ever hearing about, like, a real relationship between those two. Mm-hmm. And, like, this can be the first movie where they have a real relationship and whatever, but, like, it never felt like that. It, no. it, it was, like, a couple of scenes that were, you know, the scaffolding of a relationship because they had a scene where they walk into an apartment together and they're happy. They had a scene where they go to dinner. They had a scene where they go to dinner again, but now they're both on their phones. And then they had a scene where they walk into the apartment together, but they're not happy anymore. (laughs) And it's like, cool. But like, I never got the impression that these were people that actually cared about each other. Yeah. I, I, it was relying on chemistry built in the first two Thor movies and that background, but there was no background or chemistry or relationship in the first two Thor movies. And Um, if you're relying on the first two Thor movies, the Thor franchise or the character of Thor, uh, everyone who's writing, who's written Thor has done just about everything they can to erase the first two movies from existence. So if all of a sudden you're like, Hey, actually, remember the first movie? It's like, well, people don't really because Thor Ragnarok was built around specifically not having to see the first two. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Endgame was built around specifically only having to see Ragnarok. So it's like not, the first two Thor movies are, so, are things that Marvel doesn't seem to care about. So making us care about them all of a sudden doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It's like, yeah. well, we don't actually. And again, it was just such a weird move by Taika to want to bring it back to those movies, especially considering he spent so much time kind of erasing the existence of those two movies uh, during Ragnarok. Um, Even brings back Lady Sif, which was like, I mean, I was kind of happy to see Sif again because it felt like a loose, you know, kind of a loose character that would be nice to see come back. But she has maybe two minutes of screen time no not even like one minute of screen time and it's like such a weird scene where she's like dying but Thor's like cracking jokes while she's dying and then she doesn't die and it was just like what like what is that's it's just like what is going on the the total inconsistencies was just really really bad this is such a weird character in the mcu because like in in norse mythology sif is thor's wife and I understand that is not necessarily the case in the Marvel universe, and it doesn't have to be. But it's weird that she's like there in the first movie, and she's not really positioned as a love interest. She's just kind of there. But then she exists in other movies and has occasionally come back to do nothing. Like, yeah. I don't understand what she's doing in the MCU. She just yeah. kind of exists because there is, because then we have a character that's constantly in Asgard. Yeah. It felt like it just yeah. It felt like fan service that didn't really go anywhere, and I, I don't mm-hmm. like. I wasn't necessarily clamoring for ladies more Lady Sif, especially not a one minute cameo. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of cameos, that there was that uh, play scene in Asgard 2, which was kind of felt like a sequel to Ragnarok's fake play scene. And that was so much worse the second so, time, too. So it was... But like the part, the part afterwards where we see Sam Neill and Matt Damon off off stage talking about like how to make their next play is my favorite my favorite use of Matt Damon in the MCU at all. Like I loved that scene. <laughs> it's very say short. Any movie is <laughs> like. You know, <laughs> well, Matt I don't know Damon. if I go that far. <laughs> but like I uh, I really love. Um, I re- there's a scene where Matt Damon and Sam Neill go up to Valkyrie after a he- after something terrible has happened. And they're like, hey, so can we dramatize this? I think it would be good for our play. And she's like, just go away. And they're like, I didn't, I didn't hear a no. And then as they're walking away, they're like writing it. the script, which is yeah. really funny to me. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a couple. Oh, Melissa McCarthy was in this movie too. Oh yeah, but she like, was. In that cameo, that was kind of cool. Um, Anyways, um, I don't really know much. I think like, to say. what do you think? We're almost at the end. I don't think there's any more. There's no more Marvel movies coming out this year, right? That's the last uh, one. No, Black Panther 2 comes out in November. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, okay, well, aside from that, uh, <laughs> what do you think of this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far? Phase four. I guess that's. Spider-Man, Eternals, this movie, um, Shang-Chi, and Doctor Strange so yeah. far? Yeah, and Spider-Man. Yeah, okay. I think, yeah, I, think I said that. Okay. Uh, I, I would count any TV shows. Is it just if you movies? want, sure. Um, if, you look, if we're looking at TV shows, it's just in general, like, really not in a good state, in my opinion. I've probably never been less interested in the future of Marvel um because it just it's not like there there I see some talk about how it feels directionless um which is fair because I think for the first time like even in phase 1 when it was setting stuff up and it was pretty slow each like end credit scene was like building towards the avengers right and it obviously yeah. felt connected um lately though like the end credit scenes feel half assed and not really entirely sure what direction they're going to go in. Um, the shows, I, I won't get into the shows too much, but they're all really cheap and poorly written, directed, edited, and like shot. Like it's just really, really bad. Except for like, I think Wand- WandaVision was great. Um, I mean, I used to not like it as much, but now I think <laughs> compared to everything else, I think it probably used the the TV show format the best because it's the only one that really felt like it was supposed to be a TV show. Yeah. Um, whereas everything else felt like a movie that was added onto, um, but not with the budget of a movie, so everything just looks bad. Um, so yeah, I I gotta say I'm not really feeling this phase. Um, I'm not really. I don't think Black Panther two is gonna be good just because of you know, Chadwick Boseman passing away, but then also, like... It's had a really troubled development. Yeah, so, like, and (laughs) considering how Thor turned out, which was, like, their, you know, much, much more, much more easy of a movie to make, um, I don't think that's going to turn out very well either, so... 
it's a uh, yeah it's it's i don't like i don't i'm not excited at all for whatever's coming next i i couldn't really care anymore and i never thought i'd say that especially like so soon after we started getting marvel content again it's like it's only been like about a year yeah. a year in like three months or f- no you're in like five months since wandavision came out and phase four started mm-hmm. uh, but i yeah i do not i don't care really what, about what's coming next i think like um at least so for tv i am not caught up yet but i will say that miss marvel has pos- has pleasantly surprised me with every episode that i've seen so far mm. i'm 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 hesitant to like say too much there because every Which single MCU show I'm on episode I just finished episode three. Oh god! <laughs> uh, episode three has been the worst of them so far. Or it's like it kind of I kind of tuned out near the end. I think the fight scenes in Miss Marvel are not super interesting, but everything else I think there's like some really there's there's definitely vision there, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I've only seen the first three episodes and. Uh, you know, before this, the first three episodes of Moon Knight were also sick. The last episode of Moon Knight really disappointed me. The last episode of Mar- of uh, WandaVision, Loki, those really disappointed me. The last episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't disappoint me, but like that entire series was like a solid six. Yeah. So like, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um. I'm I'm hoping that Miss Marvel stays good, but I'm not exactly expecting it. Um, but what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I think with with Phase Four, I agree with this with the um, criticism that it feels directionless, and I think that that is an important criticism for the MCU because like your movies don't have to feel connected, but if they don't, then they have to stand on their own and be really good. And so far, I think my favorites of the of this phase, well, my favorites of this phase have been Spider-Man, uh, Eternals, and Doctor Strange 2. I really liked Spider-Man, and the other two were pretty okay. And, like, if that's the best we can get out of this phase, that's not great. And, mm-hmm. like it would be okay in another phase where everything is building towards things. So like, even after Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel was a movie I didn't like that much, but even afterwards I'm like, okay, but I'm excited to see where this character goes after Eternals. I'm like, this movie was okay. I don't have any clue when I'm going to see these characters again. And I don't know if I care. And like, that's why direction in the MCU is important because if your movies can't stand alone, which Honestly, the majority of the Marvel... I would say that, like, at least half of the Marvel movies don't stand alone very well. Um, And if they're not going to do that, they need something to keep bringing me back. And Phase 4 doesn't really have that. I feel like if I miss... If I I don't see Black Panther 2, I really don't think I will have missed much. Yeah, I, like, I, I think I might skip, like... Then like I'm, I'm probably not gonna watch a Marvel show unless I hear the whole entire series is good from yeah, now on yeah. because it's just every time I really like Miss Marvel too um, up until episode three <laughs> and I was like this was like that was the first time I I felt like really excited and then um yeah I I'm caught up and it's kind of the same thing and I'm I think I'm just getting tired of of all that and you're right I uh. Like, I think we talked about this before when we talked about Doctor Strange, but it's like, where, 
like again with phase one and phase two weren't the best um content wise but they really made me fall in love with the characters mm-hmm. and I can't really tell you any characters I'm excited to see interact or like see more in the future, except for like maybe Ant-Man. <laughs> like, and and yeah. like, I, I don't really, I don't like, I love Ant-Man, but he's not, you know, it's just kind of Paul Rudd. I'm going to be honest. So I mean, there's also a lot of stuff where like, Oh, I was just trying to think of, like, are there any characters in Phase 4 where I'm like, I'm really excited to see more of this character. And I was going to say the villain from Loki. Um, Kang. What's his name? Kang. I'm excited to see more of him. Am I excited because I like Kang's performance in Loki? I mean, sure. But actually, I'm just excited because he's got a lot of potential. And, like, we haven't seen him since Loki. So who knows if that's going to be used well in the Ant-Man movie that he's in. So, like... Yeah, I don't actually like him for anything I've seen on screen. I think he was fine in Loki. I think he was actually potentially really promising in Loki. But there's nothing there. He was an after credit scene, functionally. Yeah. And, like, when I saw... Hmm, what's a good example? When I saw the after credit scene of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and they were like, this is Adam Warlock, and then they don't show him... That doesn't make me excited for Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Like, he's going to be there. That's cool. I'm excited for the potential of that. I'm not excited because I've seen an amazing performance as Adam Warlock. Yeah, I. The, it's the same. Well, there's a post credit scene in this movie, too, that introduces a new character. I do not care. <laughs> like, I couldn't care less. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not say what that post credit scene is, but the same friend that I was talking to earlier, who was like the goats got old really quick. Mm-hmm. He says he like actually burst out laughing and like his, his girlfriend had to like stop him after a few minutes when he saw that after credit scene. Yeah. It's, it wasn't, it's, it is really funny. Uh, yeah. Oh, which might be the they, point. I don't know. I don't think it is. They introduce this character and like the after credit scene isn't explicitly comedic in nature but like the character they introduce looks like a community theater dude playing the character it's not he's a he's a he's a person that has a name like he's he's a name he's he's a celebrity like a very minor celebrity but he looks like he looks like uh, oh man it's so funny it looks he looks it it looks as if matt damon was serious in this movie and he's not right yeah um yeah that that was i mean but like even in that context it's like i'm not i don't know i'm not that that didn't excite me it honestly it, it reminded me of the doctor strange end credit scene where it's just like it made me kind of dread the future because i'm like oh my god more of this bullshit like yeah it almost made me the opposite of excited <laughs> yeah because i was like oh shit I guess we're going to stay in this version of this universe. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. Anyways. Um, what would you give this movie overall? Out of 10, what do you think? Probably like a, a three, I think. Um, yeah. I can't remember the last time I've been this bored in a Marvel movie, or even a movie in general, honestly. It's it's bad. I, I'd rather watch Thor 2 twice than I actually, watch this movie once again. Honestly, the more I think about it and the more Thor I see since 
after Thor 2, the more I'm like, maybe I should go back and see what was going on with Thor 2. Like, is it as bad as I remember? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a very, like, it's not great or anything, um, but it's a very watchable movie. Like, mm-hmm. this this movie, I it felt like it was three hours long, and I was, like, suffering through it. Like, I, a little bit. I did, yeah, it, it was not watchable. I kept waiting for something really cool to happen, and it never did. Yeah. Well, what would you give? Yeah, it? I would. I'm. I waver between like a little less than a three and a three, so I'm gonna give it a weak three. Yeah. What would you like? How about like in the MCU though? Like, where would you kind of place? I think this like this is potentially one of the worst MCU movies. I, I'm trying to think of one that I hate more. Like maybe Eternals, but it's I, it's tough. I think when I think back, like I think that I, yeah, I don't know, because I'm trying to think. Like I definitely liked Eternals more than this, because Eternals is one of my top three of this phase, um, and Eternals is I would still put it in like the upper half of mid tier Marvel movies. It's not like in the highest echelons of them. But I think that there's a lot of, I think Eternals, I kind of just think the medium is wrong for Eternals. Like it's fine. It, I, I'd heard that maybe it should have been a TV show. And I don't think Chloe Zhao would have made it a good TV show, but I think that all the stuff she was trying to pack in there was too much for one movie. I don't yeah. think it should have been like three movies, but I I do think that like it should have been in in the in the hands of maybe someone Chloe Zhao like who could have turned it into a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, this I don't know because like I want to say that I liked Captain Marvel worse, but I don't even think that's true. Like I thought I, I'd Captain have to go Marvel back and watch like, Captain Marvel. Also, pretty watch like I didn't love it, but it was watchable. Like and it it had a narrative and character. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I am unlikely to return to this movie, and I can't think of another. I can't think of another Marvel movie that I am as unlikely to return to as this one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is the worst. I'm just having trouble comparing it to 23 other Marvel movies. That's right fair. Now. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, it, it um, is crazy how it feels like they're just throwing away. Like, they're bringing in these great directors, and they can't seem to... Like, Disney in general, like, um, they can't really seem to get a good grasp on Star Wars or Marvel right now. Or even Pixar. It's, like, all, all their all their brands kind of feel like they're in, like, a slow fall right now. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways. I guess we'll we'll probably talk about Black Panther when it comes out. I yeah. can't swear to it, but like realistically, it's gonna happen. Yeah, that movie, I I might wait for the reviews to come out <laughs> before I watch. We'll it, see. Yeah. I see. This is the thing that I would that I said before this too. Like before Thor: Love and Thunder, I was like, I trust Taika Waititi, and I still think I kind of I, I still think that I like Taika Waititi, but like I don't know if I could if if like if if Taika Waititi starts doing another Thor movie. I'll still probably see it because it's MCU and I eventually have to see all of those anyway. But like, I don't think that I'll be as eager to see it because I trust Taika Waititi anymore. And yeah. like right now for, for uh, Black Panther 2, you know, 
Same thing with Ryan Coogler. Right now, I trust Ryan Coogler. I think that he will make, I, I think that in general, he makes good movies. I am excited to see what he did with this one. That said, the, uh, the troubled production of this one, like the production of Black Panther 2 has made me almost more morbidly curious about what happened, or like what the result is going to be than excited to see a Ryan Coogler movie. Yeah. Fair enough. So we'll see. We'll see did we decide on a movie for next time? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't. I think. I think there's a movie coming out next week that I really want to watch. So wasn't it? Isn't a uh, Nope coming out next week, or is that the week after? That's the week after. Oh, I see. Well, I guess we didn't decide a movie. Well, we will decide on a movie, and then we'll be back next week with another one of these episodes. Jeff, what's the last word? Pierre, do a goat scream. Good enough.